fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody and welcome to big episode number 89 of the fourth season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal, paving your way to fantasy glory, acting as your lead blocker this season and every season until like hell freezes over uh, so you can hoist that fantasy trophy above your head. I'm your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me as always, fresh off from seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, and also doing a great roundtable podcast with me last night. And then having a huge podcast guest yesterday. This guy has been in and out of the studio, mostly in. The Wolf of Roto Street himself. How you doing, Wolf? Hey, all's good. I love it. It's good busy. It's the type of busy I would want every single day of my life to be filled with. It's been fantastic. It's only getting busier. It's, it's that time, man. Training camps are all opening. I know. Football's back. It's it's unreal. We just finally finished up our off-season Bible, doing a couple formatting things, but we're ready to release that. We got the daily draft wizards coming back next week. You know, every, everything's coming up RSJ right now. And as you mentioned, you alluded to, humongous guest in our next episode, the biggest possible guest we could ever imagine to land. So make sure you're tuning in uh, next week as well. But yeah, it's been fantastic. I know we've been gone for a couple episodes, but we're coming back in a big way here. Uh, And like you mentioned, once upon a time in Hollywood, a nice little reprieve from the football for a little bit. You haven't seen it yet, right? It came out last night. No, and my wife hates Quentin Tarantino, so it's not like I can be like, hey, sweetie, let's go see this movie. (laughs) It was, I I loved it. It was different than anything he does. I know you're a Quentin Tarantino fan too, so I'm sure you're going to like it. Leo's just, and I love Leo. Anything he's in is always gold. Leo's great. Brad Pitt's great too. He's kind of one of those guys I almost I, I almost like want to hate him and I can't. I mean, they're no, both just fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, there's some great scenes with both. Oh, it's it's great. So I would recommend that. But okay. good movie, even better fantasy advice coming at you here today. And we've got a great agenda here today too. We've got a, this is like you talked about the Bible. This is this agenda is like a, a real tome here that I'm going to be looking at. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go down. It's going to be a good time. We had, like I said, we uh, just dropped the roundtable conversation this morning. A lot of people, a lot of people to manage on Skype, but uh, still pretty good stuff. And get to hear Kings some. to work out, sure. It's it was our right. first time trying. It's all right. still it was, a good quality was, content, as always. Maybe a little delayed at times, but it, yeah, it was, it was good. It was, it was good. good content. Uh, check it out. You know, uh, you're going to get to hear some of your RSJ favorites and also a couple guys you don't hear on the air as much. So definitely check it out. All right, we're going to dive right into the agenda because I got two kids downstairs that are, uh, you know, I can't see or hear, which like seems like that's great, but it almost always means something terrible is happening. So uh, we're going to go right in. We're going to talk news of the day, and we're going to start, of course, with this alleged Melvin Gordon holdout. I don't know. We talked about this on the roundtable a little bit. A lot of people pretty skeptical, but in hopes of a new contract or a trade, Melvin Gordon was absent for the start of training camp on Wednesday. Thoughts, Wolf? Yeah, so we're going to go Melvin Gordon, Tyree Kill, and then just to make sure everyone knows what this episode's about, the 10 biggest bargains in uh, fantasy as well as coming at you. Yeah, well. and if you're trying to win titles, by the way, it's all about the bargains. And you got to get the bargains, yeah. Just And I did want to preview, too, right before we jump in. If you visit ffbdpod.com, that's our podcast homepage. And anytime you just put slash in the episode number, so this was 89. So if you go to ffbdpod.com slash 89, that's where you can find all the videos, bonus content, and stuff we do for this. So wanted to pump that, but... On to Melvin Gordon. Uh, In hopes of a new contract, he did not show up to training camp yesterday. He's already said he's going to hold out if he doesn't get a big raise or if he doesn't get traded. So that's that's huge. Melvin Gordon, my number five on my big board until this news broke. The guy is elite. He, he, there's no doubt about it. He's been the RB7, RB5, RB8 in fantasy the last three years. Uh, he ranks second in touches and third in scrimmage yards and TDs over those three-year span. Even though he's missed some time, very slippery, elusive runner. Gets it done between the tackles, even though his line's not great. He was just, uh, just a tackle-breaking beast last year, the highest grade when facing stacked boxes of any PFF runner. So this guy is fantastic. I know there's this kind of conception that running backs are replaced. And on, the Chargers did go 4-0 without him last year, so there is some credence to that too. But whether or not that matters for fantasy, uh, that's not the debate. It's That guy is a fantasy megastar. This is like Le'Veon Bell type of absent if he does miss time. So we got to take it very seriously. And right now, if I'm drafting, I'm probably not 
touching him. When I mentioned Bell right there, last year Melvin Gordon, when he talked about it, said, I do the same thing. I agree with what he's doing, and it's going to happen with me too if they don't get a new deal. Uh, and, and here we are. It's, it's happening right now, which really sucks. So does he have the leverage? Does he not? We don't know. But right now I'm not touching him. Um, hopefully he shows up or hopefully he gets traded and we have some clarity come draft day. But for now, if I'm doing a best ball, if I'm doing anything like that, it's just there's so many talented running backs. I have him now like 50-ish or so on my big board. There is a point where I would obviously take that jump, but there's almost always somebody willing to take that jump ahead of me. So if he does miss time, let's play that kind of hypothetical. If he's not going to play, I would say, you know, everyone's immediately vaulting to Austin Eckler. And then when he missed time, Eckler was that immediate workhorse, 17, 18, 17 touches in those first three games Melvin Gordon missed. He kind of operated as that clear lead back. But unfortunately, what happens with a lot of these smaller change of pace guys, his efficiency really dropped when he became that lead horse. Went down to 3.1 yards per carry uh, and 3.9 yards per touch as compared to this guy that was averaging, you know, 5.0 yards a carry, 10 point yards per reception. One of the only guys to ever do that on 200 plus touches. Uh, he was the sixth in running backs, elusive grade, the, the, all that great stats, the yards per carry. 5.23, 7.62 yards per target, the seventh, and all that. So he had all these great efficiency metrics that then dropped when he became the lead guy. So I'd be a bit skeptical. Our huge guest, again, I'm not going to give the, the name away, but when he drops on Monday, he actually even said he thinks Justin Jackson would kind of take over that Melvin Gordon-style early down roll. They're similar in size, although he's just, Justin Jackson, a little bit bigger, a little bit taller, uh, stockier, handled that kind of every down work in his start better than Melvin Gordon had so I kind of anticipate a bit of a committee if this ends up being uh, an extended holdout let's hope it doesn't because again we want Melvin Gordon we want those top five running back stats in our lineups but if not I would say Eckler they've both risen significantly uh, Justin Jackson going in my like round eight range right now Eckler going in my round six but if we knew Gordon wasn't showing up I would say Eckler would have to become uh, a fifth or so round running back and Justin Jackson right up there in like the seventh or so is how I approach that all right, uh, moving on to a little bit of, I don't, I don't know, this is kind of uncomfortable news, but it's definitely fantasy yeah. news that we need to talk about, and that's Tyreek Hill, who we've been alluding to for, I don't know, months now, um, and he's not going to get suspended at all. Now, we were sub- speculating, like, man, his career could be over, uh, he could miss an entire season, he could miss six games, he could miss four games, how about zero? Nothing. He's not going to miss anything, and so... You know, as kind of dirty and slimy and stuff as it makes me feel, thinking about where do I draft this guy, this is a real heavyweight in fantasy, and it's a fantasy show, so we're going to talk about it. Tyreek Hill, I mean, he could he could be the wide receiver one. It's If that yeah. happened, it's not like you'd be like, man, never saw that coming. Sure, you see it coming. It's totally possible. I imagine you at least have to have him in your top five. Oh, yeah, he's my he's my fourth receiver right now, uh, 14 overall. And could he be number one receiver? Of course he could. He was last year. So this guy, I mean, is there a bigger fantasy wrecking ball that, that can just take your lineup and just destroy you if you're facing him or just vault your team that you seem to have no chance up to a victory? There's no one that does that quite like Tyree Kill. So the fact that he's not going to miss any time is insane. We kind of covered this thinking it was a four-game suspension just a couple episodes back in 87. But now it's just even more so, those positive of gainers Tyreek and Mahomes and those negative losers Watkins and Hardman it's just a little bit more extreme in both directions now uh yeah like I said Tyreek Hill right around that first round second round cusp for me I always have it's interesting debate to me like what is the first chief you'd take because there's Kelsey there's Hill and then now like Damian Williams is the clear lead back those three kind of are right in my 12 to 16 range altogether, and I, I keep constantly sorting which one I'm going to take and but then you it, got it, Mahomes it, as your undisputed top quarterback too exactly. so I mean, there's a lot Chief action up top. Tons. If you can get Chiefs, you want to load up on those big offenses, as we always talk about in fantasy. Uh, but right now, uh, Tyreek Hill is my favorite personal Chief, the one that I have the highest uh, out of all those guys. Pat Mahomes regains that kind of own tier. Speaking of that guy, I had him kind of more lumped in with the Lux, the the Baker Mayfields, without his top most explosive weapon. But now that he's going to have Tyreek Hill for a full season, there's no reason to expect this guy to be anything less than what he was last year. In fact, they add McCole Hardman and bring more 4-3 speed 
into that cannon arm. He could be even more dangerous, which is just crazy to me. Uh, so he regains his own tier. The negative, though, of course, is Sammy Watkins, who we were expecting to be kind of a top five upside style guy if he was that lead number one of God himself, Pat Mahomes. He would have been, you know, a, a dominant type of target hog. Now it's like third, fourth on the target totem pole when you got Tyree Kill, Damian Williams, Travis Kelsey soaking him. He's going to have his big games, but it's going to be really tough to predict him. So outside of best ball, I'm not going to have much Sammy Watkins exposure. There's no more, you know, no real upside to stomaching the huge injury risk that comes with him. Uh, and other than that, you know, the whole offense benefits when you got a guy like Tyree Kill. So more underneath room for Travis Kelsey. A lot of people saying he's going to get a huge target bump if, Kel- if, if Hill's out there. I rather have Hill there for Kelsey. You get more scoring chances, more underneath room to roam. Same with, you know, Damian Williams. I like that the field is being stretched even more when you have Tyree Kill. So as much as I hate that he's getting zero games, if you've had completely disagree that entire offense takes a huge step forward when you got its most explosive playmaker out there and fantasy you, you know you got to obviously adjust your rankings for this guy yeah i don't feel good about uh, it but he's my number one chief too train, you see a lot of these where people are like oh i could never draft him because i'd never want to root for the guy are you in that train or are you able to separate yourself from from that kind of fantasy so, versus vanity type all of right thing? so First of all, I understand that sentiment. It's not like I don't get it. I I, I really do. And I think it's not like there are people that I absolutely would not draft. Although I feel like there's been somebody in the past that maybe I said that about. I'm not sure. But I think with me, it more comes down to if there's someone I feel that way about, I probably won't end up getting them because it's probably like if I'm on the fence and it's them and somebody else, I would probably take the other person and then someone else would snap that guy up. So I generally don't end up with people that just disgust me personally on my team, but I don't think it's as strong as just like, no, I won't touch that guy because my convictions are just are are what they are. I don't know. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm the same boat. I mean, if I'm not taking him, my opponent's going to be taking him. I'm going to be facing him. So you just got to, you know, I'm giving fantasy advice, not moral right. advice. I'm not talking about ethics here. Like, it's, Right. Our moral it's advice show sliding. is on, on Wednesdays. We do a, yeah, we do a show just about morals and, and ethics and just how you <laughs> yeah, should be living in. your lives because we're definitely qualified to tell you how to do that. Right, exactly. Yeah, us, us trash bag humans aren't going to be giving moral advice anytime I know. The show anyways. actually is called Trash Bags. Trash bag moral advice with featuring the truth and wolf. <laughs> the truth and the wolf. <laughs> we should do that. I would. Show. I would absolutely. I would subscribe to that. We get our yeah. Link Clay. We get our usual Link Clegg, Scott Sheamus. Brooks, Steve Bell, Jordan. They'd all tune in. Our, our usual Wolfpack guys. Yeah. No, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, you just gotta try to separate the two and just root. If you're not rooting for the player, root for fantasy points and kind of yeah. separate it in your head or whatever. Whatever you have to do to justify it. Like at the end of the day, you know, people do that with their favorite team. Though I can't trap. Peyton Manning because I'm a Patriots fan. No, I don't do anything like that with teams. You can't can't limit your talent pool for any reason. And it's – I know it's scummy, but – if somebody else is putting him against you if you don't take him. So just think about his fancy points and not the player and the off-field pass. Yeah. It's a whole different field and a whole different game. All right, we're going to talk 10 bargains here. Hopefully we'll get to all 10. That is our featured segment. We're going to, Like I said at the outset of the show, if you're trying to win a fantasy league, it's all about getting bargains. I mean, if you can land somebody in an auction for 2 or $3 that ends up being like a viable producer or even a star, I mean, that's just such an edge to get over the guys that are spending, you know, 10 times that amount, 20 times that amount to get their guys that are producing like that so these guys are people that the wolf likes more than the experts generally speaking sometimes a little sometimes a lot but listen to these things because this could be like oh i'm going to get him around sooner um or i'm going to take him around later than he should be taken i'm going to i'm going to score on this thing so listen up this is always one of the podcasts that i find the most informative and that i use to shape my own drafts a lot sometimes we're on the same page sometimes we're not and just as one preface with that too, Ned, these aren't guys going after 100. That's where you'll find like the biggest disparity. Right, where I'm stocks. like plus 70 on Dante Foreman versus and Dante Mon- and Dante Moncrief and blah blah blah. Those are penny stocks. That's going to be a separate episode. These are guys within the top 100 that I'm at least 10 spots, often 20 or more spots higher on. And the reason we show these ADP outliers is like I. Yes, this I follow my own ranking, so this is exactly how I would draft too, but I want it to be so vivid to you that like I'm that much higher on this guy. So this is entering training camp. Of course, later on, these might change as training camp develops. Last year, entering training camp, we had McCaffrey as an overprice. We saw that, holy shit, Nerve Turner is actually going to give this guy 30 touches a game. He wasn't bullshitting us, and he became you know a bargain 
by the end of it. So things can change. This list isn't set in stone. But right now, when I look at entering training camp, who's the best just I need to get based on their prices, I got 10 guys that I think are, are ridiculously underpriced for what they bring to the table. All right. Let's start with number one, Chiefs running backs. We're talking about Damian Williams, who's going 12th overall, uh, according to the Wolf, and that's 12 spots higher than the experts, nine higher than ADP. Carlos Hyde, Wolf's got him at 94. That's 49 spots above the experts, 30 above ADP. We've already talked a little bit about that explosive Chiefs offense. Anything you want to add on these guys? Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. That fantasy stock formula, two of the biggest grading factors are scheme and surrounding talent. A lot of people talk only about individual talent and volume. Are they going to see work? Are they good? And that's obviously the two biggest factors, but when you put in this other part of it, there's no doubt this is one of the most valuable running back gigs in all of football. The Chiefs offense couldn't be more explosive last year. 35.3 points per game, the third most in NFL history. Tyreek Hill back out there, so it's going to be just as explosive as last year a running back gold mine because of that and the fact that Andy Reid has notoriously ridden workhorses to the fullest uh Kareem Hunt leading the league in rushing in 2017 yeah Brian West there's just there's literally every single year his RB1 has averaged 20.8 touches per game which is just gold and the reason we now have Damian Williams on here again if you've been listening to this podcast since February we've been talking about how this guy has been severely undervalued people have finally woken up but the biggest new news is Andy Reid himself has come out and said they want Damian Williams to be the full-time starter for the year we've heard it from their GM we've heard it from you know players and whatnot but to hear Andy Reid say that is huge last year Damian Williams rode this valuable gig to 22 fantasy points per game 10 touchdowns in six weeks and they really leaned on him down the stretch so whether or not you believe he's great or not he's in this incredible gig he's going to see 20 or so touches and he's going to be a bonafide RB1 so I still have him 12 spots higher than the experts I have him at 12 overall a fringe first rounder most people have him kind of going a fringe second or to the end of the third that kind of nah. turn I think he's got to be much more of the first second turn than the second third uh, and then Carlos Hyde you know that's more penny stock type of range but if anything happened to Williams or if he does end up faltering and not being as good as we think he's going to be you're getting this guy that could be a, a top five running back because of the gig and Carlos Hyde at pick 150 it's a no-brainer you got to stash that guy you got to own the entire backfield because of how valuable the gig is but I truly believe it's going to be Williams and I think he's going to be a monster this year all right here's God at number two Derek Henry that has just yes. been fucking with us for like three or four years I know. And I mean, and, and time, you're back right? in again. I mean, I don't know. You're, it's about time. It's not like he's done it. It's not. I mean, you know, we're, you're back in again. Huh? You're going yep. to the well again. Derrick Henry, 23rd overall. So like late second round we're talking about. Uh, 17 spots above the experts. Eight better than the average draft position that's out there. Derrick Henry, sell me on him this year. You've, you've been selling him every year. I've ever known you pretty well. Ever known you <laughs> as a fantasy guy. I know. It's truly the, the Brokeback Mountain. I can't quit you, Derrick Henry. Like, I can't get away from him. Because hey, you're fucking... not going up there to fish. <laughs> exactly. 6'4", <laughs> like 250, and just moves like a beast. Uh, I think what it really is is those first couple years, he really did just run soft. And I'll admit it, as a Derrick Henry truther, I would watch him play. And like, where's the guy we saw at Alabama for so much that was just literally steamrolling people? It's just not translating the NFL. He's not running as hard. I mean, and you, threw the, you threw the Von Miller... Uh combine stats at me several times a year for the last three years Every time, but it's true like Vaughn Miller as a running back was what the measurables were which is insane to imagine uh, but for whatever reason whether it was DeMarco Murray then it was Deion Lewis for a bit last year they kind of straddled this guy into a committee and Nick Saban uh, you know the, the Alabama coach that fed this guy the first running back he's really fed in over like a decade it's almost always been a committee every year he came out and said yeah this is a guy that needs the carries the more he gets it the better he runs and this was in an interview just three days ago I don't know what it is if it's a confidence thing I don't know if it's because he's so big strong and physical that he wears the other guys down I can't explain it but the the more he played the the better he got um, and it's kind of hard to explain and that, again the only guy Nick Saban one of the most brilliant football minds just decided to ride and run and then it, it comes to dawn on you holy shit this guy is just he needs those 20 carries to batter the defense because after you know the, the stats then justify it one to ten touches per game those first ten touches he was in the bottom 20 of yards per carry but then afterwards 11 through 20 he averaged 6.1 yards per carry which was uh the, the highest in the league for after uh 10 10 or so touches so that's just kind of the, the stats to illustrate this guy is better when he gets volume but is he going to actually finally get the volume 
every single thing points to that direction. We got Mike Vrabel saying, you know, this guy is the guy we're going to build around. The whole plan starts with this. If Derek did what he does at the end of the last year, uh, we're certainly going to go give him his opportunities. Then Arthur Miller or Arthur Smith, sorry, the new OC comes out and says, we're going to ride him in his contract year. This guy's got a rare skill set, a home run hitter. Uh, He's going to take that next step. What he did over those last five weeks will open a lot of things up for this entire offense. And speaking of those last five weeks, the dude rushes for 585 yards and seven times touches on 87 carries it's 21.8 carries 150 yards and 1.8 touchdowns per game the number one fantasy with over 30 points per game over those last five weeks of the year so this guy finally got fed he produced as best as you could ever expect the better than any other running back in fantasy during that span and now everyone's come out and said we're gonna ride this guy that way for the entire season i get it the offense could suck arthur smith no guarantees a first-year play caller Uh, i get that marcus Mariota. i've already talked about how much i think I think he's a bust and I think he sucks and he can't stay on the field. And when he's on there, he can't be productive. Even still, when they ride Henry, they've had huge success. The defense is stifling. The offensive line, yes, they're losing Taylor Luan, which was some breaking news uh, just a couple days ago. Their best lineman for four games over suspension. But their backup left tackle is the best in the league. Dennis Kelly was just one grade below, one point below um, Taylor Luan in the PFF grades over 350 snaps last year. So they have that luxury that they have actually a very capable backup so I'm not overly concerned especially after you add Roger Saffold the best guard in the game especially run blocking wise Uh, everything's just adding up to a great line a stifling defense and they just want to feed and win ugly giving this guy 20 carries a game when he gets 20 carries he always dominates and I'm just because I think he's gonna finally get it all right well I'm keeping my fingers crossed because you're convinced me again and I've definitely taken a chance on this guy (laughs) before and regretted it so we'll see what happens uh, and the, the best part, dude, is he comes at the end of round three. So it's like you could already have one running back and one secure target hog or even two running backs and go ha- horse, 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 and then get uh, your flex as Derrick Henry. You know, it's it's not like you have to have this guy as your number one. I get it. If he's your number one, I'd be a little scared, too. But as your second or your even your third option, like that's – come on. That's, that's just a steal. Yeah, uh, you would hope so. All right, yeah. another guy that I like and you also like, Philip Lindsay, uh, Broncos running back, 36 overall. You got him 16 spots higher than the experts, eight spots higher than his average draft position. Sell us on Philip Lindsay in an offense that really seems like it's going to be pretty underwhelming, at least as far as the pieces it's bringing to the table. But this guy really impressed all last year. Oh, he's unbelievable. 1,278 total yards and 10 TDs as an undrafted free agent rookie is pretty much unheard of, especially these days. So it's just one, we already saw the talent and it's insane. But I think as underwhelming as the pieces around this guy are, Joe Flacco, gross receiver core, just all over the place. I really like the new offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello. We talked about him uh, just a couple podcasts ago, ffbdpod.com slash 87. If you haven't heard that, he's a Shanahan disciple. And what I love about Shanahan is that zone blocking scheme, which I think Lindsay, you watch this guy run. He's got the patience and then he just zips so fast. The acceleration is rapid fire, like toy soldier feet <laughs> flying up the field. It just fits this blocking scheme to absolute perfection. So the fact that he did what he did last year in a blocking scheme that wasn't quite fit to his strengths and now is going to get into that Gary Kubiak Shanahan scheme where it's been insane. The running back stats that have been produced in this. I absolutely love Lindsay and I think he's going to bring um, an insane amount of upside to the table. The fact that he falls to round four or five. I think a lot of people think Royce Freeman's going to be a little bit more involved or what have you. Well, again, Lindsay averaged 6.02 yards per carry on the outside zone and 5.04 in the inside zone game that they're going to start dominating and peppering, where Royce Freeman averaged under four yards per carry on both type of zone runs. He's a much better fit for what they're going to try to do. He's healthy. He was taking the first reps at camp already, which is a great sign. Uh, and the, the, the last piece to love about this guy, great pass catcher. Uh, this offense is predicated on screens and merging and marrying the run and pass games with that zone blocking scheme well Joe Flacco over the last three seasons he's targeted his running backs on 25% of the throws that's the fourth highest rate behind only Breeze Brady and Trubisky uh, so that, that's it's insane uh, his running backs have ranked 7th 1st 7th 3rd 8th 9th 13th 5th 2nd 4th and ninth. so pretty much almost all top 10 finishes in running back targets every year and he's a much better pass catcher than Royce Freeman so between the passing game volume between the perfect zone blocking scheme to fit Lindsay. I think he's even in a better situation than he was last year when he exploded. He's going to put up better stats than he did last year, and you're still going to be able to get him in rounds four or five because he's a little guy. He's too small. He's too fragile. He's a beast. He's a tough little prick. He's going to kill it. All right, David Montgomery. This is a guy that, whose career trajectory has been fascinating to me. 
Um, and anyway, he's got work. To, uh, he's got workhorse potential, right? I mean, you know, you've got him going 38 overall, 21 spots higher than the experts, 14 higher than ADP. I mean, obviously, people see the potential in him this year playing under Nagy. Uh, but you like him even more than most. What do you think about Montgomery? Yeah, you brought up Nagy, and Nagy just loves those three-down horses, the Andy Reid-style disciple, and he didn't have that with Jordan Howard last year. We saw more of a committee, and Tariq Cohen isn't going anywhere. We're going to start out right now. He's going to still have a role, but they like to split him out wide and whatnot. They like a true three-down back to be unpredictable, to to not be able to dis- – you can disguise what you're going to do. Jordan Howard, when he came in, you knew he was going to run it. Um, last year, they ran it 55% of the time when he was on the field, which was second most rate, and only 37% of the time when Tariq Cohen was in there, the fourth lowest. So it was very clear what they were going to do when you had Jordan Howard retreat Conan. But David Montgomery is a fantastic pass catcher. Every report on OTAs was this guy's dominating. He's a, tr- a problem for defense. He was the most impressive player on the field. All the beat writers are like a natural pass catcher stabbing it away from his body. Great route running problem for the defense. All the quotes coming out there just so juicy and getting you just excited for him as a pass catcher. But what I really love is his skills as a runner. It's the contact balance. It's the, the inside zone scheme vision. It's all that stuff that Nagy just loves and thrives and seeks out. That's why he went out and got Kareem Hunt, who had the same exact college running back coach as David Montgomery. And David Montgomery's running back coach said, yeah, of course they're extremely similar. That's why Nagy recruited him. But I think David Montgomery, the sky's the limit. He has even more upside than Kareem Hunt. So if Kareem Hunt can lead the league in rushing as a rookie under Matt Nagy and get peppered with the volume he did, I don't see any reason why Montgomery can't either. So you're looking at 270 to 300 touches in a top 10 offensive last year. That might take another step forward in the second season of uh, Nagy and Trubisky show. I love everything about that the fact that he goes 20 spots lower than what i'd have him and i have him right at that at tail of the third at round 38 overall you can get him at 60 that's like what the end of the fifth round Are you i know kidding me? I, I imagine in the preseason that's going to skyrocket as people realize holy shit this guy's a horse but for now take advantage of this discount as long as you can because that's insane to me all right here's a guy i really like and i actually drafted in the rsj mock yes. draft he was you the, got him the, as a steal too oh, he was the God. third in my stable i mean you guys gave me all this hell for peyton barber like but the fifth round peyton barber was too. like my fifth back because i had yeah. this guy as my third back so i actually felt all right about it even though maybe i reached yeah. chris carson 40 overall for you that's 20 spots higher than taking i can't believe the experts have him at 60 that just seems insane to me uh nine uh, spots higher than adp i mean you know taking chris carson in the 60 60th pick that's the last pick of the fifth round first pick of the sixth round something like that this is a guy that could be a legit workhorse back i mean he was a legit workhorse yeah he could be again and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. In fact, his situation's only gotten a rosier in this offseason. It's only improved. Last year, he had the seventh most rush attempts, fifth most rush yards, 1,151, uh, nine scores, seventh most touchdowns across 14 games played. Uh, he was a monster all last year, and especially a monster over those last few weeks. He came back in week 11 from a two-week absence. He was the running back five in fantasy, the fifth best running back over that span. And now Mike Davis, 170 touches, removed uh so there's even more volume available but what's so amazing i i don't get it 700 total yards removed too uh, it's the ground pie here it's the most run heavy offense in the league uh last year maybe this year the ravens will threaten that because they have lamar jackson under center all year only team in the league that ran it more than they passed it 48 to 52 pass to run ratio highest in the league the ravens may threaten that this year sure but they're still going to be as runny heavy as ever 534 attempts over the season that's 33.4 per game that's ridiculous so 33 touches up for grabs with these running backs and again one part of that equation was removed 20 2560 yards of rushing over the course of the season that's 160 yards per game that's an insane ground pie this is the guy that's going to have the first crack the the highest slice of this ground pie it's a delicious ground pie too because the russell wilson led offense so you know they're converting for third downs they're moving the chains they're getting into the red zone so a strong overall offense that leans on the run schottenheimer's already said we were not apologizing for the style of game we play. We're going to continue to pound the rock over and over. So sure, Rashad Penny is emerging. They're saying he's in great shape. 
He's looking awesome. But he's already the 1B. So, I mean, it's a 1A, 1B situation. So people are getting scared and they hear those quotes. When it's a 1A, 1B situation and there's 35 touches per game up for grabs, it doesn't matter that's a committee. It's one of those Saints-style things a couple years ago when you had, like, the running back three, running back five. There are committees that can work when there's so much ground pie available. This is one of them. The guy's an absolute tank. I mean, the most jacked guy in the league, I would say, uh, getting the most work in the run-heaviest offense in the league. And he's he's a good talent. He's a physical bruiser. Yeah, there's some injury concerns. I get it. But at the end of the day, and, and the early training camp reports, the guys caught a bunch of dump-offs yesterday, was more involved in the passing game, first guy in, taking the first team reps, ripping through the defenses. He's fully healthy now, rave reviews, everything's looking good. Chris Carson at, at 60 overall, the bottom of the fifth round, is an unbelievable steal. You're talking about an RB1 potential upside in round five, and it's insane to me. All right, this is a part that's going to be interesting. These are We're getting down to the end of our bargain list, but I love this because the next couple guys we're going to talk about are all part of the same system. The oft-referred-to air raid offense that, that, you know, Kingsbury has come in and is going to be supposedly putting in with Arizona. They've got Kyler Murray now running the show. Uh, they've, of course, got these uh, young, exciting receiver and Christian Kirk. Um, they've got David Johnson out of the backfield who was just, you know, fantasy god two years ago or three years ago mm-hmm. or whatever. So what are your thoughts on the air raid? We can cover a couple of the guys on the list just in this section. Yeah, yeah, six, seven, eight are all going to be part of this Cardinals offense because uh, the general point I want to make before we dig specifically into the air raid is some of the biggest bargains in fantasy every year come because of a coaching change. Yep. We saw it two years ago where the Rams went literally worst to first uh, in terms of total scoring and yardage. Uh, they they went from 4,203 uh, yards to 5,784 <laughs> yards over over 100 yards. You will never game. see a more dramatic change than that. No, I don't care two, how long. Two, you watch football for I don't think we'll ever see that again unbelievable 224 total points to 478 total points more than double the total points they put up in a single season uh so yes we might not see anything that dramatic last year there wasn't anything as huge but the Bears went 28th to 9th the Colts went you know 30th to to 8th so we had a a couple other big dramatic switches too and a ton of it is a better scheme and I think no no one is set up for a more dramatic shift than the the Cardinals conveniently averaging just 14 points per game last year, dead last in the league, just pathetic. They really, too, could truly double that total, if not even more, uh, with this Cliff Kingsbury air raid. Of course, it's an unknown. We don't know what's going to happen, and is it going to actually work? Is Kyler Murray too short? There's tons of questions, but I I have faith, especially after talking to our guy Drew Hollingshead. I still think one of the must-listen interviews of this offseason, it's the unique type of content no one else has. you got to listen to that. He played under Kingsbury, uh, raved about the guy, talked about how much of an offensive genius this guy is, and the, the stats back it up. 550 yards and nearly four 42 points per game as a college coordinator. I get it. It's This is the NFL. The speed is different. There's different styles of plays. Uh, it, it's It might not pan out, but ultimately, if it does, and I think it will, it's going to be as dramatic as a shift. So that's kind of the general picture of coaching changes and the impact it can have. Now, who are the three players that you got to target in there? Well, number one's the engineer of the area. That's Kyler Murray. I have him at 80 overall, QB7, above Drew Brees, above Carson Wentz, above some guys like that, because I think he is going to absolutely absolutely explode. I've said this multiple times on the podcast. I think he's that 2019 like Mahomes, the guy you can get in round 10 that has everything set up for him. Individual talent-wise, his arm is unbelievable. He drops gorgeous balls all over the field, deep balls, intermediate. He can make the throws, but what's really exciting is the, the legs. So you can run. He's got you know, four, three wheels, ran for you know 1,000 yards and 15 scores in college last year. So you, know, you got all these running quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson making waves because of just their legs. When you combine the arm and the leg points and then then you go out and draft, you know, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, just more and more speed to a cast that already featured my next two guys. We're going to talk about Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. It's a stacked weapons cabinet. You got all the individual talent you need. You got plenty of usage because the pace of this offense is going to be rapid fire. They said they want to run 90 plays a game, which is absolutely insane. I don't think they'll hit that number, but they're, they're going to be flying up and down the field. He's going to chuck it about 50 times a game, which is unbelievable volume, probably more pass attempts than anybody in the league coming 
for the Arizona Air Raid here. You got the scheme that he he thrived in in college. The reason he was the Heisman and the number one overall pick, he was in this air raid offense at Oklahoma, and he, he dominated. Cliff Kingsbury said, I'm going to draft this guy number one overall if I ever had the chance. He stayed true to his words, kind of like a perfect marriage. All the stars, you just see these things that are almost fatalistic. It's like that everything is aligning for this guy to explode. Uh, so Kyler Murray, I absolutely love him. Are you buying the hype? Do you, do you think he's going to be as real as I think he's going to be? As real? No. I mean, but that that's kind of the nature of our, uh, you know, respective fantasy personalities. Like, I, I see everything you're saying. I love the air raid potential, um, and I'm pulling for him. I don't yeah. think that he is as obvious uh, superstar like you're talking about as I've seen. I don't know. And I, and I could be proven wrong, and if I'm proven wrong, then I'll, I'll almost be happy that I am. And it's not like I don't think he's going to be good. I just don't think I would put him as high as you do. I don't think I would reach for him there. Uh, on these things, you know, when people are coming out like this, you tend to be in on the ground floor. I tend to be in on, like, the second floor because I was listening to you. So, no, yeah. I mean, I, it's not like I think anything you're saying is wrong. I'm a real, like, man, I got to see it to believe it type guy. Now, I will say last year I felt differently about Mahomes. I was like, man, this guy's going to light it up. But I think the biggest difference there wasn't specifically the level of talent I saw from Mahomes, which, you know, in retrospect, it's like, yeah, man, this guy's just dripping talent out of every orifice of his body. It mm-hmm. was much more the offense that I knew Mahomes was coming into. I looked at this yeah. offense of the Chiefs, and I was like, man, Alex Smith is just lighting up the world in this offense. Yeah. Look at this guy. Like, I, I can't see any way they're going to be worse than this, and they're probably going to be way better. So that's why I was willing yeah. to commit to Mahomes the way that you were last year, a little more than I am with Murray. I'm just skeptical of shitty franchises all of a sudden becoming great, even though we've seen it before. Yeah, I think, I think it's a huge point. We've already seen Andy Reid's offense succeed for so many years. Uh, so you already had that box checked where we don't know if Cliff Kingsbury's air raid is going to translate. It's the bet on that that actually happening. We don't know that that's guaranteed. So that's a good point. And we did see a, a Week 17 performance from Mahomes the year before as a rookie where he came in, led a ballsy comeback against the Broncos. We had Chris Clark on after for the Locked On Chiefs and said, this guy made throws I've never seen a quarterback make. So we had seen him do it on the NFL field no matter how brief, which we don't have that benefit quite yet with Kyler Murray. I am. That's why the preseason is going to be pretty exciting to watch. They take the, the world by storm, and I don't imagine they'll show their biggest wrinkles in the preseason. No one ever does. But if they come out and they just rifle down the field the first drive of the, the game, and you're just like, alright, this is actually working, that that would be a beautiful sight to see. In terms of if I believe in, in Murray, that means I probably believe in all his weapons, too. Obviously David Johnson is unbelievable. He can't be considered a bargain, though. He's going so high. But I'd take him at number five over all no questions asked at this point but Christian Kirk I have at 58 overall 23 spots higher than the experts 25 higher than his ADP and then Larry Fitzgerald old man Fitz 76 overall 19 on the expert uh, 19 spots higher than the experts 26 spots higher than the ECR I don't know who's going to be the number one out of these guys Kirk's definitely the better athlete at this stage of his career he has experience in the air raid offense he does all the routes uh, well he can be moved inside he can move outside that type of versatility uh, is going to lead to great things and Kirk's already been quote-unquote the best receiver on the roster throughout the spring and training camp. So he's the guy I'm highest on and I think has the highest ceiling. But I think Larry Fitz, you just never catch this, count that guy out. A reliable pair of hands, knows how to find soft spots in the defense. And this offense is all about just kind of creating space and feeling out the defense and kind of improvising when you need to. When you got a wily, crafty veteran and and route runner like Larry Fitz, he's going to make some serious damage here in this offense. So the fact that you can get him, you know, around pick 100, both these guys have a thousand yard upside. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them do top a thousand yards. It's not one of those things where it's going to be one or the other. There could be so much aerial pie here and so much valuable aerial pie here that I see both of them potentially being viable options. And I, I often find myself having both of them on my teams after I do best ball drafts. So I, I love both of them. I love Kyler Murray and I'm, I'm just kind of declaring it. I'm all in on the air raid offense and I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if I'm all in, but I can't wait to see what happens. And, uh, you know, if they yeah. blow up the way we say, I'll, I'll be sure to tell everyone, yeah, our guy at RSJ said it. <laughs> I, I was mean, right there. No, no, no. I mean, I'll say I, I was right there. Just like a uh, duck last night telling us all the all the uh, organizations he's in on the ground yeah. floor with. I, was like, <laughs> no, but, I know, right? Which yeah, exactly. by, which, star was there when you started. It's nice. Like, yeah, play your seeds, duck, you know? Yeah, seriously. He's got, a, he's got a wide range of ground floors that he's on, and eventually he's probably going to be at the top floor of one of those places. Hopefully it's ours. <laughs> 
I think the the best part. I, I hope so too, and it will be ours I, eventually. I can't wait. But I, I do think one thing that is, is it, the nice part about this is yes, it's unproven, but that risk is baked into the prices here. You're you right. get all these guys around eight through ten. It's like what's what's the point to not take them at that point? Take Kyler Murray round eight, and then take Philip Rivers two rounds later, and you know you're going to have a good starting quarterback because Rivers just always falls to round twelve, and he's always going to throw for forty five hundred and twenty five thirty TDs. It's not sexy, but you know you have that. So get your floor, then get Kyler Murray. That's kind of what I did last year. Mahomes and Rivers. I never started Rivers a single game. I, I don't think I'm going to start Rivers a single game this year either. But to know I have that. There was a couple years ago I had like Tannehill and Eli Manning and thought they were both going to be breakouts and they both fucking sucked. So you can't do like you can't do Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. You should and have never tell fuck. anybody that again. Oh, that was that was before we did the site. That was I was like, gonna you know, say like you know ago. one thing I would have always told you you were an idiot on is Eli Manning being good. Oh, it's horrible! Yeah, no, he sucks. Um, and, and both of those guys. I mean, yeah, I just Ryan Tannehill and Eli Manning. I can't believe that actually came out of my mouth. Now I'm like thinking back what I just said. It was horrible. That was like seven years ago. Before definitely before we ever did a site or anything like that. But it just illustrates like you can't take two guys that you think are breakouts but have no floor really because then you could end up fucking yourself a quarterback. But if you go Kyler Murray, Philly Rivers, you know you're going to have at least one good quarterback out of that bunch, and I really think you get the most explosive player in the draft this year. All right, let's talk about Jared Cook. This is a guy that, you know, everybody's been chasing the next, the next Jimmy Graham. Remember when Jimmy Graham was awesome? I do. I remember when we were working together, actually, when Jimmy Graham got traded to the Seahawks, and we both were just like, that's not even fair, man. He's so great. This is going to be ridiculous. Like, he's better than Gronk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, next Jimmy Graham in New Orleans. All right, well, we've seen a couple candidates that have come through the years. Uh, Kobe Fleener, Josh Hill, and as we referred to him many times, Ben Watson's corpse. Um, <laughs> so how about Jared Cook? What do you think? Yeah. I think out of all those names you just listed, none of them are inspiring and they're all garbage. Jared Cook is the real best shot at actually finding that next. We should Jimmy make a, a t shirt. We should, uh, Jared Cook, better than the corpse of Ben Watson. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think that would be a, a real pop, popular seller there. Uh, everyone down at the beach wants their tank top, Jared Cook. Uh, but I have him at 63 overall, which is almost 20 spots higher than the ECR, a full round higher than his ADP right now, because I think he could be that next great tight end, and he's not being priced that way. You know, I love O.J. Howard. He's probably the guy I end up with most at tight end, but you do have to invest a fifth-round pick. So if I can go seventh round and get a guy like Jared Cook, if I miss out on Howard, that's often what I find myself doing. This guy set Career highs in targets with 101 reception, 68 yards with 896, and TDs with six all last year with the fucking Oakland Raiders with Derek Carr throwing him the ball. I get it; he was like the highest target, you know, target vacuum there because they had no one else to throw to. But still, even as like the two, the third here behind Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, that situation in New Orleans is so much better. Obviously, one is Drew Brees, an unbelievable quarterback. Uh, two, Sean Payton, who schemes the the best type of volume for his tight ends, gets his team into the red zone where he's going to be a, an absolute terror. And it's already starting to translate on the field. Uh, we already have Drew Brees kind of raving. He's got great length. He gives you that confidence on 50-50 balls. There's not a there's a, not a place you can't throw it, and this guy can't go get it over the defense. So that 50-50 trust ball is incredible, and that's where Cook – Six foot five, mm. ran a, a rumored uh, four three forty, which is just uh, who knows if that actually happened or not. But a forty inch vertical as well. That's those red zone tires. That's the Jimmy Graham style athleticism. That when you got a guy like Breeze puts the ball wherever he wants it, you got a guy built like this that can get the ball wherever it is over anybody else out there. It, that's always fantasy magic. They've already said we're dusting off the old Jimmy Graham plays. Uh, Dan Campbell said he's just phenomenal, runs like the wind. The, the tight end coach there, Sean Payton said he's great after the catch as well. So it's not just a jump ball guy. It's a guy they can put in the screen game and whatnot. Everybody that that's important, Breeze, the tight end coach, the head coach, has raved about how great this guy has looked. Uh, and there's just still, yes, I get he's not going to be that number one alpha like he was with the Raiders. But this type of volume, I think, is going to be so much better. Uh, so I like Jared Cook to maybe not be Jimmy Graham where he was 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns. But I think you know 810 is certainly plausible for this guy. All right, last guy, Latavius Murray. Um, man, he's... Uh, one more after him. One more after him. Okay, so we're going 11. And then... if, if we have the time for it. We got, got I, we got time as long as you're not going to be I'm too long-winded on Latavius Murray. And I, I agree he's a bargain, but he doesn't deserve that much airtime. He's Latavius Murray. I don't think you're right here. Because... You don't think I'm right? He's not Latavius Murray? He is. His name is Latavius Murray. Okay, all right. Uh, and I, and so I agree. agree with you. He's nothing overly special. 
but I don't think he has to be to have great fantasy value this year because he's no longer with the Vikings. He's on the Saints, and Mark Ingram's gone, so he vacates yeah, that invaluable wrong. big back role. And with that, there's always going to be 10-plus touchdown upside. We've seen Ingram feast. Ingram was just the RB5 two years ago as the second fiddle to Alvin Kamara. So this offense yeah. generates scoring chance after scoring chance, and Murray's always been a beast in short yardage. He ranks only behind Todd Gurley in rushing TDs, 32 from 2015 to 2018. Actually leads the league in short yardage rush attempts over that span as well. So coaches have kind of recognized this guy is a short yardage monster. They, they've they recognized that he gets the job done. And Sean Payton goes out and signs him because they're losing their big back. To me, that's kind of a perfect aligning of the stars. And then you bake in the fact that if the unfortunate and pray to God it doesn't happen, but Alvin Kamara goes down, you're talking about a potential top three style workhorse. This offensive line's unbelievable run blocking. The overall offense is unbelievable. So he's got that standalone value because of the touchdown upside and then he brings also that handcuff like insane handcuff upside if Alvin Kamara ever goes down we talk about handcuff with benefits there's not one better out there than Latavius Murray other than the other guy we're about to talk about after him I agree I I was a little harsh on Latavius Murray but actually the next guy I think is much more of a bargain and um, I don't know how much of a bargain he's going to be by the time the draft rolls around we'll see I feel like people I don't know I feel like people are paying attention, or if they're paying attention, this guy's not going to hang around for too long. And, of course, I'm talking about Daryl Henderson. 73 overall, 39 spots higher than the experts, 14 spots higher ADP. This is, you know, we talk about handcuffed with benefits. This is the guy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, Murray is as good as it comes from a handcuff from benefit perspective, but this guy, even better. Daryl Henderson and the guy we talked to on Monday, I keep alluding to this incredible interview, had a conversation with Sean McVay, if that actually, you know, helps kind of paint a picture for the type of guy we talked to. And McVay told him this was the most explosive player in the draft, the most explosive offensive weapon uh, I've seen in years. And he made sure to go out and get him. So uh, generally, when you have explosive talents like that in elite offenses, that's almost often in fantasy football gold uh, and the Rams obviously have been in anything other than elite they've been everything but uh it's just insane first in points 29 at the McVay's first year second in points last year they were even better 32.9 points it was just because the Mahomes show came to town last year so insane offense that has only gotten better in two years under McVay and he thinks that Daryl Henderson's the most explosive player in the draft I'm gonna listen to that I'm gonna definitely go after this guy 1909 yards on only 214 carries gives him the FBS record for 8.23 yards per carry he had the most plays of 40 yards and 50 yards with 14 and 12 respectively and sure he might just be a a what's that no I'm just uh, the the numbers I've heard them before yeah they're ridiculous I mean it doesn't make any sense that like the numbers you're reading are real yeah, but they are. The guy, he's just a ridiculous, <laughs> explosive freak that, yeah, sure, he might be in a change of pace role, uh, but it, it doesn't need to be changed that much for this guy to yield huge stats. We talked about yesterday on the roundtable, the Rams have 433 backfield points in fantasy over yeah. these last two years under McVay. He would only need 30% of that to yield value uh, with what he's doing, and he's going to definitely have at least 30%. Uh, he's already been called the next Kamara by their GM, which Sean McVay agreed with. He, the, the GM like banged the tail. We got to trade up for this guy. If we don't, we're going to play him. We're going to feel it. Uh, this is the Kamara element. And he's been talking all offseason how he needs that kind of Robin to Todd Gurley's Batman. Uh, he goes out and makes sure to go get him. And the, the reason why it's also so perfect isn't just because it's an explosive talent and an explosive uh, offense. The scheme is so perfect. They run a, a zone blocking outside zone based game with the Rams. And that's what Mem- uh, Memphis ran where he came from. And he just dominated to her. He had led the, the college football. I gave you those uh, insane yards per carry stats. He led college football with 10.7 yards per carry on outside zone runs. He got a first down every single time he did a zone run on average. Uh, no team deployed those runs more than the Rams did last year. Uh, so it's just a perfect fit from a running means- perspective. Great receiver. Uh, it's just everything seems so beautiful. I don't understand how this guy isn't a lock in everyone's round six, seven plans. I mean, and that means if he got stuffed on one of those zone runs, the next one is going for 22. It's right. It's crazy. It's insane to average 10 yards per carry on any type of carry. But that, that's what they I mean, run. quarterbacks <laughs> don't average that per attempt. A lot of them, right? No. It's insane. So this guy, he's incredibly talented, going to the perfect fitting scheme. Um, everybody, he agrees. His college coach agrees. McVay, they're all calling him the perfect fit here. Why wouldn't you want a perfect fit in the league's most explosive offense outside the Chiefs? To, to me, it's a no-brainer. 
All right, that's going to wrap up our bargains. We hope you heard one or two or six or ten guys that you're just like, yeah, man, I got to go for him. I got to put him on my outside list. This is what makes the Road Street Journal draft such a bitch, by the way, because we're all mm-hmm. listening to the same thing. I know. It's it's getting brutal, too. Like, locally, uh, you know, in Beverly, a lot of people have found our, our site at this point, of course, from friends or, or hearsay. And everybody kind of knows who we're after. And it ends up working out. I'm not saying we hit 100 by any means. Nobody does. But I'd say we hit pretty damn well. So, like, Mahomes last year, I'd get him in almost every draft except the ones that knew Roto Street Journal. Or the, you know, it's, right. it's one of those – that's the one kind of – thing I don't like about the job is when your guys are suddenly, you know, public air among your friends and the people you're facing, it becomes a, a crapshoot. Yeah. Rosary Joe, the first quarterback will go in like round like eight. I've never seen that in any other draft, but they all know you don't draft a quarterback. Oh man, we, yeah, we creeped so long last year on the quarterbacks. Right. I, I don't know. And then I ended I up, I got like Deshaun Watson in round like nine. I was like, I, I always thought about waiting on a quarterback, but like Watson's my number one guy and he's here in round six. I like, always uh, end up with eight. like rivers or Roethlisberger and like the ninth or 10th yeah. round. That always happens. <laughs> it never, it and, never, and I'm fine at quarterback. I'm fine. It always at quarterback. works. Right. Yeah. So I know it is, it is so tough tra- drafting against the RSJ guys. That's why we're, that's why I love our site though. We got some sharp minds here. Um, yeah. Sharp minds reading all the same source material, man. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's brutal. Um, all right, uh, we're going to wrap things up right there. You got any social media you want to pump up? As always, rotostreetjournal.com is our home base. ffbdpod.com is our podcast home base. And if you want to get the show notes for this episode, get all the articles that are referenced here, uh, then you make sure to visit ffbdpod.com slash 89 will be the episode show notes for this one. Me personally, I'm at rotostreetwolf on Instagram. We got rotostreetjournal for our other main bases of Instagram and Facebook, rotostjournal on Twitter, uh, rotostreetwolf on Twitter. So make sure you find me on all your platforms that the following has been growing and I love all the interactions that have come coming up and the last thing that I want to plug out we might have a pre-roll in here already but the fantasy offseason bible I've spent the last like three months writing this motherfucker it's 150 pages it's insane it's not your kind of skim just cvs style magazine but this thing is loaded with every single thing that happened this offseason everything you need to know it's the perfect place to launch your 2019 draft prep if you're listening to this you probably have already started you're probably a hardcore wolf but even still i've updated it with tons of new nuggets and whatnot uh if, if you're an rsj fan if you appreciate the work we do i'd love you to take a look at that rotostreetjournal.com slash offseason is where you can find that the off-season bible uh it would mean the world to me if you guys could check that out and, and leave a review and whatnot all right guys my name's nat the truth jones and i'm the wolf until next time see you guys later we used to have it all but now's our curtain call so hold for the applause oh, 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 oh. and wave out to the crowd and take our final bow oh it's our time to go but at least we stole the show 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 Straight ahead Devlin, second effort, third effort Touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome Old-fashioned football right there, folks.